0: News Talk on demand. Interruption free audio where you want it, when you want it.
1: listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here in studio with Rick Van Divendyk from Dutch Growers. We haven't done this before. I think you were in with Brittany last week, but uh, it's been a weird year and a half.
2: Um, I we've never been on air in studio together. No. right? we've it's, it's, it's yeah, been we, almost uh, a year and a half since we've been in studio.
1: <laughs> I've never been able to, uh, to yeah. be in person, so this is quite the experience. <laughs> if you have any questions for Rick, you can give us a call or text it's at 1-877-332-8255 and we were talking a little bit before the show started about the u of s plant sale yep. can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on there
2: yeah starting on september 2nd and uh they they went online and 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 so it's gone on until, until the plants are basically sold out okay and but i think it ends pretty quick it doesn't do not very long because pickup is uh Is September 10th and 11th but University of Saskatchewan every year they have a plant sale Mm -hmm. and it's uh, you can go online just go to the University of Saskatchewan plant sale so the only thing you have to do is you have to be around to pick them up because they don't ship yeah. them out or anything like that, so you have to be able to pick them up. But uh, they do a lot of research at the University of Saskatchewan. A lot of sour cherries have been released, and so has uh, um, the uh, honey berries, and they also have other apple trees they've released and some beautiful raspberries even, the, the red mammoth and red bounty. So they've been a whole bunch of plants, and uh, this time of the year they grow a lot of plants on, and then they have them they're ready for sale as well. So, And this year there's... A, there's at the plant sale the um, Dr. Bob Boers is releasing a new sour cherry. Okay, and this one's a little bit shorter in stature, and the the cherries themselves are a little bit more uh, tougher. To, uh, they're because li- they, they're meant for picking with mechanical pickers. Oh, okay. And so they're they they they're a bit tougher so that they don't uh, get mushed up when they get picked up with the yeah. mechanical pickers and that. And uh, but the the plant being a smaller plant would be fit perfect for yards as well. It's a very good uh, one. It's called, it's called the Darjean. The
1: da, wait, hold on. Oh. D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Oh, we were is. trying to figure it D'Artagnan. out earlier. <laughs> like the, the Musketeer. The, the
2: fourth Musketeer, right? Yeah. And so because the Sour Cherries, there's a whole bunch of the Romance Series. This is a continuation. those and uh, so this one here uh, you have first opportunity to get this not even available commercially yet so at garden centers not so if you want a new sour cherry uh, although by now this is the what's the date today
1: it is the fifth
2: the fifth they might be sold out already I'm not sure but (laughs) worth a check (laughs) but worth a check and uh, so they also have other plants usually available there they usually some rhubarb and some currants and those kind of things a lot of times they have those available as well so and all the money that they collect goes to higher more uh, students to do more research uh, in in, out in the fields in the in the summertime as well so it's for a great cause and for we love to have uh, the University of Saskatchewan just does amazing work with uh, with all the development of new plants and uh, and there's a lot more coming from what I hear on the on in in the works okay and so that's that's a great thing and uh, part of the money for this also like said goes to help to to for research for more plants
1: well, and you get an opportunity to try something new before it's really in mass production, yep. I guess. And
2: one thing about the University of Saskatchewan here, I mean, they're all suited for our climate, right? So yes. it's, uh, <laughs> it's that, that's what's the best part about it is that they're working on plants that are suited for our climate that we can actually grow in Saskatchewan that can handle our winters.
1: Which is always nice because yep. our winters can be a little brutal on yep. some plants. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have Mary in Regina waiting for us on the line. Good morning, Mary. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Um, I have ants that are growing underneath the grass, so I have like a big lump in the middle of my lawn. Yes. And I was wondering what's the best way to get rid of them.
2: Probably the best way to get rid of them because a lot of the chemicals that used to be available are now gone. There's two ways you can do it. One, you can use diatomaceous earth. You sprinkle it all over top of the hill. And diatomaceous earth, what happens with it, it gets the adult ants, okay? It basically gets into, it's basically crushed up seashells, so it's totally organic. And you sprinkle it on there, and it gets into all their joints, and it dehydrates them. So that's one way to get rid of the adults. To get rid of the nest, the best way to do it is called uh, uh, ant, ant-begone nematode. So it's another little insect you're releasing into the ground, which goes down, and they attack the, the nest, and they go after the eggs. And then they keep, they go in and go into the egg and they eat, they eat the larva from the inside, and the egg, and then they just, they reproduce and they just keep expanding and pretty soon the queen says, okay, something's wrong here, and, uh, she just move, picks up and takes off because she says, this, this is not good, there's enemies here. And, uh, but you have to remember, you have to follow the instructions because you have to soak the anthill, because the anthill makes the ground very dry. And don't forget, that queen is down probably 12 or 16 inches into the ground, so you have to put a hose on it and just let it dribble and soak the ground really, really good. And then you release the the nematodes, and then you give it a good watering again, because the nematodes can only go through moist soil. Okay? So those are two ways. Diatomaceous earth to get the adults, and nematodes to get the whole nest, to get the queen to actually move away. Because if you just get the adults, the queen just produces more. And she just keeps saying, "Okay, well, I'm losing my adults. I'll just produce more eggs." And uh, you, you don't get rid of them that way by just getting the adults.
3: So she do both both things?
2: Do both things. Perfect.
3: Well, and would I do them now?
2: Yeah, you can do them right now with temperature still good to do it, and uh, you can get rid of that nest.
3: And can you spell that first
2: diatomaceous? Diatomaceous earth. Dia. I can't even think. I, I don't really think I can <laughs> spell it. Diatomaceous. D a. I got... It. No. <laughs> it's D-I-A-T-I-M-A-T-I-O-U-S, I think it is. Okay. Diatomaceous earth. So okay. th- there's a whole bunch of them out there. A lot of them are different names, but they're all, if you read the ingredients, it still says diatomaceous earth, okay?
3: Okay, and most gardening places would have it?
2: Pretty much all gardening places have diatomaceous earth because it's, uh, it's a good organic for any crawling insects.
1: Okay, great. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Mary. Bye-bye. Bye Bye now. Uh, We have a question in that uh, got called in here. When is the best time to transplant goji plants?
2: Goji plants, I like to transplant them in the spring because the goji plants are kind of a zone three, almost a zone four. Mm -hmm. And so if you plant them in the fall, then you need to mulch them really, really, really heavy. Yeah. So the best way to to do uh, the goji berries, I always say is do it in the spring and uh, end of April, beginning of May. And then they have all season to get rooted really well. And then they, um, after that, then they're, they're, they usually, I still like to mulch. Yeah. I still like to mulch them. I don't have to mulch them as heavy as I was going to transplant them in the fall.
1: Just a bit of a blanket.
2: A blanket. (laughs) Yep.
1: Perfect uh, we have we probably do one more before we go to a quick break here. uh this one coming from Jerry in Stockholm. I have corn beetles in my corn. Can I compost the corn, or should I just take it to the dump?
2: Yeah, I'd probably take it to the dump uh because the beetles will go into the ground and then come up next year, right yeah. uh so um that that's the problem there is that they they're gonna they're gonna go they may have gone into the ground sooner than you, you get rid of them right mm-hmm. but but I would suggest probably just to not compost those whenever you got an insect or disease that's what you have to make that decision is that if you put them in the compost you're gonna keep keep whatever's in there yeah. around usually.
1: Just maybe have to get rid of it for this year and hope for the best next time around. (laughs) We're going to take a quick quick break, and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. We're back with more garden talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I forgot to mention at the start of the show, but yeah. we're back to 1 hour again.
2: Yeah, we're into our winter into our winter gardening yeah. times is cuz all you know, people will be finishing up their harvest yeah. and getting back, so we're back to 1 hour starting today.
1: Pretty scary stuff. So if you have a, a question for Rick, don't, don't wait. Don't wait for the second hour. <laughs> nope. We, it'll, it'll
2: be too late. Yeah, too. you'll
1: be, you'll miss your, you'll miss your chance. You can give us a call or a text at one 332 8255 And, uh, we have a, a few texts that have come in through the break, so we should probably start going through those. Yep. Uh, we'll start off with one from Ruby in, uh, Saskat- or just west of Saskatoon. The grass on my farm was all brown. Now after some rain, it started to come back a bit. Should I cut it or just leave it over the winter?
2: Um, if it gets really long, if it gets like three inches tall, then you want to cut it because otherwise it'll lay, it'll actually yeah. mat down or lodge, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get a lot of snow mold and those kind of things. So it depends. I mean, we still it's supposed to be like twenty six yeah. degrees, right? It's
1: going to be pretty nice it's over the next be, couple of days so anyway.
2: <laughs> with all that with that rain we've got, then the grass is going to grow. You've seen the pastures; they're just greening up again, which is yeah. great for the for the cattle farmers that uh, that that need to get their um you know, needed it all something. So he didn't <laughs> have to start feeding right away. So this is just great news, this rain. Um so but yeah, no, you just have to monitor it and you'll need to cut it if if it gets a little bit too long because you just don't want it to mat. Yeah.
1: Um we have a text from Greg in Wawoda. I was wondering if you can plant new grass seed in the fall. And if so, uh the dirt is really dry. Should it be moistened up first?
2: Yeah, good idea to moisten up first if you want. And um that way you can just rake it in or you can, you can prepare it and then put your seed down and then give it a good watering right after that as well. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be planting seed this next week as well. And so usually I, you, I always say you can, usually it's the second or third week of September that you can, you can plant your seed yet. Um, but it, depending on the weather, obviously, but then once you get past that, then you're almost better off to wait until the middle to the end of October and then you can put your seed down and then you can water it in a bit if there's still be water on. And then you can just, it'll come up first thing in the spring, right? Cause it's cold enough where it won't germinate. Yeah. Right, And so then it'll come up first thing in the spring. Now, that's if you don't have a very windy spot. Uh, my acreage, <laughs> uh, I, I want to plant right now because I want to get it started because yeah. otherwise, I think by spring, because we have so much wind out at our acreage, that I think my seed will all blow away. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> One side of the <laughs> hill will be very, very, very green. green.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So then otherwise, just wait until spring when you got the water going again and just plant it then otherwise.
1: All right, perfect. Uh, we have Dennis waiting on the line for us right now. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today?
0: Hi, Rick. Uh, I'm just wondering about fall fertilizing for my grass, uh, what you suggest for time of year, uh, and the uh, strength. Or I, I have a Scotts 32010 fall fertilizer.
2: Yep, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, fall when fertilizer. would you apply? Uh, you can apply any time now. Any uh, Yeah, any, Once you get in September, you can apply it any time. Any time between now and, and basically the middle of October. Okay. And uh, it's not a problem. Although, you know what? I wouldn't do it in the next couple of days. It's going to be so warm. Right. Uh, I, I like when the temperatures, at least the, the the nighttime temperatures, are dropping a bit so it doesn't force the grass to grow a ton. It just gets ready for wintertime, right? Right. And we're still getting like 26 degrees, yeah. I think, today, right? And 23 or 24 tomorrow. So, But it, the daytime temperature doesn't bother me because it's a different heat in the fall than, than in the summertime uh, because the sun is a different angle, but uh, it's nighttime temperature. If they start dropping down you know, below 8 degrees, then that's a good time to put your fall fertilizer down. So I would suggest right now wait for another week and then put it on.
0: Okay, and should you water it in or just yes. let it...
2: Yes, no, absolutely water it in.
0: Okay, and one more question for you. I had a lot of problems with snow mold this spring. Yes. And I had read someplace about putting a dilution of copper sulfate and water on the grass. Is
2: that work? Yes, absolutely. Okay.
0: Just spray the whole area. Yep,
2: eh? just spray the whole area and just make sure that you you keep your grass, don't keep your grass really, really long, but don't cut it really short either, okay? So you want it about an inch and three quarters around in that range. Okay. And uh, then that way your lawn is just, it's just the right height where it can uh, it doesn't get matted down, and that's when you get your snow mold a lot of so times.
0: So cut cut it short for the
3: winter, and then spray it down, and yep. should be good. Yep. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you.
1: All right. We have Wayne waiting on the line for us. Hi there, Wayne. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Oh, good morning. It's those nasty mushrooms on my lawn. I I what, can I get rid of them, or are they always going to be there?
2: Okay. The reason why you got mushrooms is because they're they're growing on something now. Whether it's too much thatch in your lawn, or otherwise, majority of the time it's because there was an old tree that died. So there's some roots growing. So a lot of times they grow along lines where that root used to be. That that means they're growing on a tree root or an old stump or something like that. Uh, or otherwise, just even under construction, there might be an old piece of plywood or a piece of chunk of two by four or something like that underneath the ground. Some organic. That's what, that's what mushrooms need to grow on. The way you get rid of them, there is no chemical. Okay. First of all. And so one thing that you can do is if you leave the mushrooms there, they actually help to break down the, the, the compost or the, the, the wood or whatever is there. Okay. So you can leave them. Uh, they don't do any harm otherwise, but you so you could leave them, and then uh, and then they help break down. Or if you don't like them, then you pick them, and then you aerate. You take a fork and you aerate the area where the mushrooms are, and then you put some more, a little more fertilizer, and also some comp, what's called compost accelerator. It's used for compost piles, and you can put some compost. It is bacteria which helps break down your organic matter quicker. Okay, put some uh, compost accelerator on and water it, and then that'll help get rid of the food that the mushrooms are feeding on. And that's the way you get rid of mushrooms.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I know there's no, like I, I did all the backyard, there's no wood, there's no tree stump, so is it just I should be thatch a little more often and maybe bag my clippings a little more often?
2: Yeah, if you're getting a whole bunch of mushrooms then you maybe just have to get too much thatch there and you just have to uh, uh, do, do a power raking next spring or, you know, and then okay. uh, and that'll help quite a bit.
0: So don't get lazy and Pick up the clippings a little more often too, maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, if, if you're getting mushrooms, I mean, the compost the clippings actually add, you know, nutrients to your soil, you know. But right. if you just get too much, then you will get the, the, just nature wants to break that down, and and mushrooms love that right. kind of thing.
3: Well, I, it's
0: yeah, okay, that sounds good. I mean, I have been talking them out and putting them in the bag and throwing the way, but. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, bye all right we'll jump to sean in east end hi there sean what's your question for rick today hello
0: to you both hi there hello um rick i have a a circle of grass out in my front approach going you come in with the gravel i have a nice young willow tree in the middle of it and i think it's pigweed or portulaca that comes in from the gravel and keeps going around the edges and i spray with uh, roundup of course i always get a little bit of grass but i try to do it as best i can but it just seems every year they creep in more and more and more. Is there any way to keep that from encroaching on the grass?
2: Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing there, but also maybe add some um, uh, corn gluten into that area because not a garden, it's just a just a shrub bed with some trees and that kind of stuff, right? So put some corn yeah. gluten in because what happens is that those things produce a zillion seeds. Okay. Oh, terrible. And so corn gluten is is uh, is basically a natural uh, pre-emergent herbicide. Okay. And so, as long as you put it down according to instructions, they make, if you gotta put it down at least what it says, uh, for, for square footage or stronger, yeah. now, you can't, you can't, it doesn't hurt by putting it stronger, but if you make it go weaker and thin it out to make it go farther, it doesn't work. It just acts as fertilizer, okay? And so. the
0: so, instructions per hectare yeah, or acreage, yeah. whatever. Yeah. and maybe a tad stronger you say
2: it is a tad stronger and and then that will help those seeds from germinating and then you for the adult plants you have to you still use the roundup or you know a, a, a form of a weed killer to get rid of the or picking them okay so yeah. and but get try to do that before they go into flower okay because once they go into flower if you ever notice that if you spray your plants after they go into flower um it's no different than what the farmers do to burn down their canola crops you don't get rid of the seeds okay, right, okay. and so and so you you, do, you have to get you have to get it you have to get them early so as soon as you see them as little plants you have to you have to hit them then you can't wait until they're they're big and and starting to to flower and seed okay
0: okay so with so with the roundup or 540 or whatever or yep. whatever and the corn gluten together in a spray
2: absolutely my- and, okay, then, and then and if you're going to spray, the- spray early, okay? Okay. When the plants are just teeny tiny.
0: I've sprayed three times this since the spring. Yep. I'll grow my whole, like all my gravel. Like, yeah, but there's lots um, of
2: seeds in there, so they're going to keep growing, right? And so that's okay. where the corn gluten will come in.
0: Okay. Does, can I go directly on the grass with the corn gluten? Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's for, the only place you don't want to put corn gluten is in the garden because it'll stop your carrots from germinating as well.
0: Okay, and the quick other question I had, Rick, was My whole lawn in the back, all grass, Um, in the fall someone told me to use 2,4-D just before the leaves drop so that when you, instead of using par 3 in the spring, because that's just kind of a, uh, what's the word? Will the 2,4-D hurt the grass? No. Do I use the corn gluten again?
2: No, that won't hurt the grass. In fact, fall is a great time because the plants are putting all their sugars back into the roots. All the all the root all the the weeds. What he told me exactly. And then so then that'll take the chemical down to the roots and get it way quicker than you do in the summertime.
0: Okay, so follow the the uh, instructions on the two four D on the grass.
2: Always, always, always follow the instructions.
0: Okay, and then the corn gluten on the grass too, and also my whole gr- uh, gravel and all my yep. approaches. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thanks, Sean. We are going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll be back with more of your calls and texts on Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. We're back with the second half of our one-hour edition of Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt, here with Rick Van Divendyk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. We have a couple people who have been waiting patiently for us uh, through the break here, so we won't make them wait too much longer. We'll start off in Regina with Robert. Good morning, Robert. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Good morning. Uh- Good morning. I'm, I'm wondering, is it wise to spread wheat-free lawn grass cuttings under my tomato plants in my garden?
2: Yeah, absolutely, you can. I like call, the best way to do it is you compost your grass clippings first, okay? That's absolutely the best way, but you can spread them under it, but you've got to remember if you mat it too thickly, okay? You know how grass heats up, especially when it's green, okay? It heats up and then and then with that you get all kinds of molds and fungals and everything else growing in there. So that's one place that you could harbor a lot of, you know, things that you don't want Around your plant now. The only thing that that's great for grass clippings or mulch or whatever you're going to use is that the problem this year is that people had problems with blossom end rot, and that's because they were going wet, dry, wet, dry. So if you put some kind of a mulch on the soil, you can sort of you can mitigate the the temperature fluctuations in the soil, so that you're you're not having that that fluctuation of moisture, and you won't get your blossom end rot. So so yes, it is good, but I just wouldn't put it really really thick. And if you can, it would be best even if you compost it a bit first. So uh, one thing about green grass is that you, when it breaks down, it actually takes nitrogen to, to break down green grass, okay? So you're actually stealing nitrogen from the soil before it breaks down actually as nitrogen. So that's why it's best, if you can, just to compost a bit and then put a layer of that composted grass clippings down, which would be a lot better for the plant.
3: Sounds great. I'm using uh, cages. But the plants are very proficient this year.
2: Oh, yes, they are. Yeah. Thank you for that information. You're welcome.
1: Thanks, Robert. Thank All right. We will jump over to Tonya in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Good morning. Um, I have four Thunder uh, trees in my backyard. And although I love the blossoms in the spring, I really <laughs> detest
1: the little tiny apples uh, that fall from the trees in the fall yep. onto the grass. Yes. Yes. Um, Is there anything that I can do to still enjoy the blossoms but prevent the apples from forming?
2: Pray for frost. (laughs) (laughs) So that's about all. There there is a product out in the States, uh, but it's not registered for Canada, that you can spray onto the blossoms, and then what it does is it, it basically makes them sterile then, okay? But there's no such product available in Canada and so there's all you can really try to do is to you you try to damage the blossoms but then you you've taken away you only got 10 days of that beautiful flowers right you damage the blossoms and you're cutting down that time that you're going to have the beautiful blossoms. so it's a it's a trade-off right so um um, but otherwise sorry there's um there's there's no cure other than a chainsaw
1: hoping for a fungus disease to wipe them all
2: out but that might be some extra work for me too. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're, they're, it, it's a tough one and uh, otherwise you could, you know, throw a big mesh over top of your whole tree and keep the bees away from pollinating them, that might work as well, but I mean, then you got to look at this mesh rather than the beautiful flowers as well, so right. it, it's, okay. a tu- it's a tough one. Uh, the other one is the, there's one called the courageous flowering crab which has a pink flowers, but the crabs are very, very tiny, okay they're not right. big like a thunder child or otherwise there's another flowering crab which is called a spring snow flowering crab green leaves with only white flowers but a zillion white flowers and it, it's sterile it actually gives no crabs
1: yeah yeah. actually when uh, when I planted these trees and when my sister was looking for trees I said don't get these ones but she did go to your store and get the uh, second one that you mentioned okay. so she doesn't have to deal with the apples yeah. but yeah. thank you so much I love your show you guys you're thank welcome thank you, you. bye 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 now We'll go to Darwin in Prince Albert. Good morning, Darwin. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Good
0: morning. And, uh, how do I get rid of cinch bugs on the lawn?
2: Cinch bugs, the best way is just use ambush, spray ambush on the grass. That's, okay, how that's, many times? Uh, you, you probably, it works really well, so probably only once. Uh, unless they laid a whole bunch of eggs and you'll have to hit them again maybe 10 days' time if the eggs okay. hatch, but uh, usually one time we'll, we'll, we'll take care of them.
0: Okay, what about that uh, chemical seven?
2: Uh, if you have seven, it's not on the market anymore. <laughs> so, okay, will it work? Absolutely, it will work. Okay, how many times? A couple times? Uh, just, you yeah, say? again, once, once seven will get rid of them even into the soil. It works into the soil even better. Uh, but uh, so you can use them once. Maybe you have to watch for them in 10 days whether there's an egg hatch. Egg hatch. But okay. we're getting late in the season where they might lay their eggs and not come back till next spring. So I wouldn't waste a second one because you might need to hit hit them again next spring.
0: Okay. Uh, what about uh, slugs in the garden?
2: Slugs in the garden? Um, basically, the easiest way, organic way of doing it is take a flashlight at night and an ice cream pail and some gloves and go pick them. And, uh, but otherwise, you use a slug bait, but put it underneath a piece of plywood or a board in between your plants because the slugs will go underneath there. Uh, or otherwise, there is uh, you can put some strips of copper down. They don't cross that if you know where they're coming from. Or otherwise, just a little cottage cheese container buried in the ground and puts a half full of beer, and then that'll take care of them too. Hmm.
0: Hey, thank you very, very much. Okay,
1: thank you. Bye. All right, we'll get to one more call before we take a quick break. This is Karen in City Park. Hi there, Karen. What's your question for Rick today?
3: Uh, I have a pyramidal cedar growing on the south side of my house. Yes. Um, the uh, side of the house is brick. Uh, this cedar is about I don't know, 12 feet tall, I guess. It's been there about 15 years and um, uh, look to be healthy this spring. Um, I've been watering and fertilizing as recommended. And I noticed the last mm, about two, three weeks, it's starting to develop dead spots um spots that had been very green are bleaching out and uh mm i i uh Hope that you would help me with that.
2: There's there's two things that have been affecting the cedars um, in this dry in the dry year. Okay, one is moisture. First of all, um, mm-hmm. because of the big plants, especially on the salt against brick, are transpiring like crazy. Yeah. So they needed yeah. more moisture than normal. Okay. Yeah. The other one is spider mite because spider mites are oh. just rampant when it's when it's hot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's when they're the worst. And also because of when you get heat and humidity, uh, they've been getting some fungals in them. So, oh, okay. so the, the preventive is, is, is spray, spray with, uh, blast them with cold water or using, using an insecticidal soap or use malathion, okay? That's, you can use oh, okay. any one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for fungal, just give them a spray, uh, you need to spray them two times, about ten days apart, with copper sulfate, okay? Oh, okay. Or C- Bordeaux is another okay. name for it. And okay. that, that'll, it won't hurt the tree and it'll actually, if, just a preventive, cause I'm not sure if you have it, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're seeing spots like that, cause spider might work from the inside out. And yours sound uh, like yeah. yours. Yours mm-hmm. is coming right out to the edge, right? Yeah. To the mm-hmm. tips. Yeah. So if it's coming out to the tips, I would su- suggest it's probably a fungal, okay?
3: Okay, and that's copper?
2: Copper sulfate.
3: And that's available at Dutch growers? Yep. Yeah okay well i'll I'll give it a try, and okay. um, let's see how it goes. I sure hope I don't lose this tree, okay, perfect. anyway, thank you so much You're welcome. Good luck, Karen. Yeah, bye-bye.
1: bye now. uh we will take one quick text here before we go to our uh, quick break. uh just curious about uh they planted California poppy seeds in the spring. Yep. They bloom nicely and still are, but will they winter?
2: California poppy seeds. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Actually, mm-hmm. that one I'm not sure. If you want them to 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 bake, come through the wintertime, I'm trying to remember the zoning of the California. I just can't remember off the top yeah. of my head. But uh, mulch them really heavy. Yeah, that's that'll be the key. If you want them to come through, mulch them really really heavy. Otherwise, what poppies are going to go to seed right away? Just collect some of the seed. Okay. okay. And then you can always reseed because poppies, a lot of times what poppies will do is they'll just throw their seed onto the ground mm-hmm. and then they'll just reseed themselves every year. Okay. Okay. So then uh, a lot of times they'll, well, the seed will stay viable, but not the plant. Okay. But if you want to make sure just mulch the area and collect some seed, you have two things you can kind of work on that way.
1: Perfect. We are going to take a quick break and be back with more garden talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk. We have a few more minutes as we're back to our one hour format as we finish up the summer growing season. You still have time to give us a call at one 332 8255 We do have some text messages, uh, starting to, starting to pile up a little bit here, Rick. So <laughs> I'm going to move the mic over okay. a bit so I can, let's do uh, a wrap it yeah, let's just go right through okay. them. Uh, this one is from Mary in Yorkton. We have an ash tree that looks like one side of it is dying, but the other side has new growth. What do you suggest? Is it too late to spray with Saigon? Also too late to spray evergreens for spider mites?
2: Spider mites know the temperature's still warm. Okay. That, that'll still work. Uh but the ash, I mean, they're starting to you I'm just looking out here and I see all yeah. the ash starting to turn color already, right? Yeah. So in the in around the river bank. So the ash I would just leave until next spring now because most of the bugs that would be there pretty much I mean there might be some aphids and those kind of things you could spray. But most likely what happened if you had some damage from last winter. Uh, I had oh, some okay. ash trees around the garden center that actually um, totally lost all their leaves. They didn't put any leaves on this year, but one of, there was a couple of them about three of them actually got their leaves almost in August. Oh, wow. And uh, the the tree that is is suspicious right now, it hasn't got leaves on. It did that once before, but came leaves in the next year. Oh. So sometimes they just get some cell damage and they just shut down. And uh, But one thing weird about ash is that the next year they could pop out again or they could not. So uh, I think you just had more like you had some winter damage and cell damage in the plant. And so just make sure you water normally right now just to keep the plant alive, but start slowing down in the watering now. And then give it a good watering about the middle to the second to third week of October. And even if you have the whole pails out there or whatever, give them a good soaking then. And then hopefully next spring, she'll pop out again with all the leaves.
1: Just maybe needed a bit of a break. Yep. All right. Um, This one is, what would be the fastest growing hedge to plant at a seasonal campsite? And should I plant it this fall or in the spring?
2: Um, This fall, if you can water it in well, you can put it in if you want at a campsite. Uh, one is uh, called a Myers or Dwar- Myers lilac or dwarf Korean lilac because okay. it's it grows still about five to six feet tall, gives you some privacy, but it's more it's fairly drought resistant, right? So one thing nice about it is not a huge lilac, but it'll give you enough it's really thick so it looks good. Uh, Cantoni Aster is another great hedge that you can put in there that grows fast. so either one of those two I would say that will do well and uh, and give you some grow something grows fast and will do fairly well in that type of location.
1: All right, perfect. We have a couple of uh, calls on the line here. So we'll jump to Regina Beach with Ted. Hi there, Ted. What's your question for Rick today?
0: Uh, It's just a general one. Uh, If I'm collecting seeds off of uh, flowers such as uh, hollyhocks and uh, hydrangeas and stuff, is there a way to save uh, them? Like besides you put them in an envelope, should they be in the fridge? Should they be, uh, where should they be? And then when do you start planting them? And how do you wet the ground? do you uh, I find that the birds get them if I just throw them out there so. yeah
2: if you put, throw them out there, then you throw a layer of sand over top of them or something like that, or peat moss or something, so the birds you know so that they get they get a cover over top of them okay that works, otherwise you can put them in your paper paper envelope and put them into the fridge, but you can 't put them in the fridge uh, in, in, you have to put them in the crisper basically in a, in a separate spot because if you put fruit in. A lot of a lot of seeds with the ethylene gases that fruit produces will kill the seed, okay? Oh. So you can't have any fruit in the fridge. So this would be your beer fridge in the yeah. garage, okay? That's where you should put it, okay? Yeah, so, I've never
0: heard of that type of fridge,
2: but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a separate fridge from other, all your other type of vegetables and that kind of stuff, okay? Okay. Okay? Thank you very much. You're welcome.
1: Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. All right, we'll go to uh, Teresa in Macklin. Hi there. What's your question for Rick today? Um, I have a few strawberry plants somebody gave
3: to me and planted them in a pot for me, yep. which I guess I didn't have room in my garden. But now I find that they have runners on them, and I cannot keep them there all winter. Right? Right. Correct. So I planted them in the ground this couple of weeks ago, yep. and. Um, spread out the runners and clamp them down, but I mean, they're not going to root properly before...
2: Yeah, so you're going to have to mulch them for the first winter for sure, okay? With what? Just a a peat moss, bark mulch, like a cedar mulch or something like that, or leaves, but the problem is you have to be able to keep the leaves there from blowing away, Right. Uh, yeah. so something that's gonna, st- that you can put over top of them to, uh, to keep the leaves there. Now you can always put some leaves down and, and throw a tarp over top of it. You can do something like that as well. Uh, so the tarp could
3: stay there.
2: The tarp could stay there, but you gotta remember that you still want snow to stay on the tarp, okay? Because sometimes the snow with the tarp, the snow just blows away, right? Okay. So you have to get snow to go on top of the tarp, which is very important, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, so you could do it those kind of ways, uh, whichever way will work for you, either peat moss or or bark mulch leaves, but then throw a tarp over top of them to keep it that that there and if it's if it's a tarp, if you can make it um a lighter color on the top, even orange or white or something like that, black just just you get fluctuations of temperatures too much okay
3: uh, what about the color
2: if black is just too hot
3: oh okay, okay? not don't use the black or the orange,
2: yeah, well, you can use orange oh. or or white or blue, but just not black
3: what about a um A blanket of some kind?
2: Yeah, anything to keep the leaves from blowing away after you put the layer of leaves down.
3: And then if I put uh, boards across or something to keep the...
2: perfect.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right, we'll take a a couple more uh, texts here. Um, This one is asking, should perennials and shrubs be fertilized in the fall, similar to the lawn?
2: No, no, that's one thing that I just don't like to do. I don't like to force them. Again, uh, grass is diff just different. It seems like it is it's tougher than that, but uh but you're um, basically after July the 15th, I don't, I like the, the shrubs and that because they stick. Lawn gets covered with snow most of the time, yes. right? It's protected. Mm-hmm. These plants are sticking up. So I just want the, I just basically after July 15th, July 30th, I basically shut off the fertilizer and then, uh, and just let them, just let them hard off. And then next spring, I always go from Mother's Day until around July the 15th. I'll fertilize every three weeks. Okay. And with, with the water soluble fertilizer. Of course, there's, there's uh, slow release fertilizers you can use and you put those on first thing in the spring only Mm -hmm. Uh, but other than that don't fertilize in the fall
1: okay uh and this one is a pretty quick one uh this one is from Mo. Bagging grass clippings or not? Some people are adamant that not be- to not bag grass while mowing. Others are the complete opposite. We need to settle this once and for all.
2: Well, <laughs> anything in in moderation, right? Yes. So if you're if you're if you're mulching your your grass clippings all the time, eventually you build up thatch, and like we had the caller earlier, you're going to get mushrooms growing on yes. everything else. Okay. So so at least that, at least dethatching your lawn every second or third year is a good idea, and you what you're going to do is if you decide you you could bag every third cut okay? okay you could do that but put some down okay because that that always it's organic it's going to break down and give the grass food right but too much of that and then your grass is going to have problems okay so it's just too much thatch and so um so moderation that's all I can say
1: all right, the debate rages on. Yep. <laughs> You've been listening to Garden Talk. This brings us to the end of the show for the week. Uh, thank you so much, Rick, for coming in and uh, joining us it's for the good, hour. It's good to meet you, Eric. Yeah, in, in person. person. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking over the phone yes. for so long. <laughs> You've been listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.